welcome back everybody to another episode of your favourite Two Guys One Topic podcast. I'm Liam. And I'm Ollie. And for those of you that don't know, or for any new listeners, each episode we take a topic that we know very little about and then we give ourselves a week to read and research all about it. The idea being that we share what we feel are the most important pieces of information with you, the listeners. Yep, we are most certainly not experts in anything that we talk about on this pod. It's just a summary of what we found out. But hopefully by sharing some of that knowledge with you, we can all learn just a little bit more about a whole lot of things. Definitely. That sounds good. Let's get on with this week's topic, which is evolution. Liam, this week's topic is evolution, something that has been around for a long, long time. And what we always do is we like to just give a few thoughts about what we knew about it before doing our research. So what was it you knew? Well, first of all, I say evolution and you say evolution. So we've already started with a <laughs> discussion, <laughs> step one. So if anybody knows if it's evolution or evolution, let us know. What did I know about it? Uh, we all came from monkeys, didn't we? Um dinosaurs happened and turned into birds and fossils can prove it uh that's about it i i didn't really know anything else and there's a proper famous person to do with evolution and yeah i don't think i knew that that that's what he did oh okay so, oh nice so I, I, I i knew that darwin had something to do with it and I knew that I knew Darwin had gone off to the Galapagos Islands, but I didn't know what he did there, or I didn't really know too much about how he then came up with this and, and why he is so revered to be the person that is the one who invented evolution. Evolution. Yeah. He's like <laughs> it's like there's loads of famous people who've done famous things. I just didn't know Charles Darwin did this. Like, you know, like I didn't know if it was him that did the light bulb or came up with penicillin or like who did which of those things <laughs> so uh, you know obviously I know he's a person I just didn't know he had anything to do with evolution <laughs> I love that so let's jump right in then and let's probably start with did you get a definition of what evolution is I got a few definitions and I went with is it the Merriam-Webster website dictionary yep so i'll give you the their posh version it's the cumulative inherited change in a population of organisms through time leading to the appearance of new forms Ooh, that sounds fancy yeah very fancy i got some other ones but have you got a posh one as well um so yeah I, my one was in biology evolution is the change in characteristics of species over several generations and relies on the process of natural selection. Yeah, we'll talk about natural selection later. Um, I did also Google or, or search up what, what is evolution for dummies in its simplest form. So I've got a much simpler version that we on, might then. all like to hear. Okay, So uh, yeah, it's simplest. This is what evolution is. Evolution is the way that living things change over time. Yeah, spot on. That is That makes more sense to me. I like that one. So yeah, very simply. Evolution is the way that living things change over time. Yeah. So, and then one of the, uh, well, as we've already mentioned, like the most famous guy who had anything to do with evolution is Charles Darwin, right? 
Yeah. And um, he yep. came up with the, this, his, this theory of evolution and natural selection that we've already mentioned. But he obviously he came up with it uh, in like the it was like the 1860s or something, wasn't it? And we'll get to there in a minute. But what about before then? Surely people must have thought, what did people think before he came up with this theory that shook the world up a little bit? So everyone prior to Darwin was a believer that it was God who had come up with the way that everything had changed over time. And it was very much because people were taught the Bible as if it was a factual book. So that was yeah. what they believed. It was gospel. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, they're called um, creationists, that somebody just created everything as exactly as it is and that is exactly as it is and it will always be um they they thought that life began around 4000 bc yeah that's sort of the time they put on it um as when it happened but to, but to something which getting into this week which has been a little bit of a mind bender for me is about how long we're talking about and just even knowing that ultimately every living thing can trace its ancestry back to bacterium that lived billions of years ago. So what we're talking about is that there was some bacterium that then started to be able to multiply, turned into cells, and it then turned into more complex living organisms. But you, you know, everything that we're talking about on the planet, <laughs> like trees, plants, animals, humans, you can date everything back to this bacterium that lived billions of years ago. Yeah, there's a thing called, I think it's called Darwin's tree of life. I don't know if you saw right. that. And it just basically just bumbles all the way back to, to one thing and uh, everything branched off and turned into and different things. But like, this- how's a fish end up with legs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I know I, we'll talk about it in a minute, but how, 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 how did it turn into a leg thing? And then, and then where did his gills go? And like, why does it not look like a fish anymore? How does it look like a horse? <laughs> That's... <laughs> Yeah. And then that's that's the bit that I, I just struggled to get my head around. But because we're talking over millions of years, we'll get on to that there are small modifications that happen. So, for example, nowadays, some snakes, they have hip bones, which shows that at one point they had four legs. And it looks quite obvious that they're cousins of lizards. And then there's other things okay. to do with whales and dolphins, isn't there? Yeah, whales have got hip bones and they've got, they're called limp buds, which are like four little buds that develop as they grow, which is where they used to have legs because whales used to walk on the on the ground. Yeah. Um, they're called vestigial structures, by the way. Uh, we'll come to that later. Nice. Uh, similar to like humans, we've got, um, so we've got our, our, what's it called? Your coccyx, your yep. tailbone, um, and your appendix. We don't, we don't mean it. And one of them is our third molar. Did you read that? Because... Like we used to munch on stuff and we don't really do that anymore. So people tend to have their third molar removed because it crowds in your mouth. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're the wisdom teeth, are they? Yeah. Yeah. Things that we don't really need um, that, that we still have as, as well, as beings, I guess. But um, we're, we're talking about the, the, so there's that huge diversity and it's, it is mind blowing. It's absolutely staggering. Have they said it's somewhere between like 1.6 million and 2 million different species that or organisms that have ever been described by us but they reckon there's a whole load more than that that we're still discovering now yeah about eight eight million or or even more eight million plus eight million things they think are on this planet and they've only like categorized about two million of them 
Like, yeah. how do they even know there's another six million things if they haven't even categorized them yet? Yeah, crazy. And like we're saying, everything it like all relates back. So one of the things that I really liked is that saying that we all all living things descend from a common ancestor. So humans and other mammals, they all descend from shrew-like creatures that from about 150 million years ago. And then going back even further, so mammals, birds, reptiles, and fish, they all have a similar aquatic worm that they're related to from 600 million years ago. And then if you go back even further, so all plants and animals and everything else derived from that bacteria from three, three billion years ago. So yeah, blows my mind. Sheesh. So, well, coming slightly closer to um, nowadays then. So people, have, people believed about this creationism. And then in about 1809, did you read about a guy called Jean-Baptiste Lamarck who proposed yeah. that organisms pass on traits to its offspring that it develops in its lifetime? So did you read about the giraffes? Yeah, so this is this is 50 years before Darwin, isn't it? And it's actually the year that Darwin was born, wasn't it? When mm -hmm. uh, when he when he was yeah, coming up with this theory. And he he was it's called an um a naturalist, isn't it? So somebody who was just really keen on living things and trying to figure out living things. But he he came came up with a theory about giraffes and something to do with them having longer necks and thinking that they would then just pass on that trait of a longer neck. But it's not quite right the way that he viewed it is it yeah he, his view was over their life just a single giraffe's life if he keeps reaching up for tall branches his neck gets just a little bit stronger uh, a little bit longer like if we went to yoga we'd get slightly bendier yep or if we go to the gym a lot we'd get a little bit bigger and his theory being that 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 longer neck then gets passed on to its children or, you know, I'm a bit musclier, so my child will be musclier. Yep. But that was sort of disproved because those changes aren't at DNA sort of cellular level, are they? They're just like, they've just like, or there's one about like um, mountain goats getting slightly musclier legs because they've spent all their life up on yeah. a mountain. Those, yeah. That muscly leg doesn't necessarily become the younger one. It's that, yeah, those, those traits then don't pass on in a lifetime, do they? So it's no. there were there were some experiments of this which have later happened to disprove it when he was coming up with this theory about um, they used to chop the tails off mice and then breed them to then try and see yeah. if then mice would be born without tails, but it doesn't work like that, and it's a yes. subtle difference. But what Darwin came up with was the actual reason, and so he. I guess he wasn't the first person to propose the idea of evolution, but what makes him so remarkable in his achievement is that he was able to present it in a more coherent way and back yeah, it and up with some, it. yeah, articulate it properly. Okay. So let's, let's just, should we just talk about how did he come up with this? So he studied medicine, didn't he? Darwin, he studied it in, I don't know. So he was born in 1809, 1825. He went to study medicine, didn't really like it. He, got into um he said we started studied science instead didn't he when he was at uni and he ended up on a boat didn't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah so he came out of uni and he then edinburgh university he then went to cambridge university didn't he he then just got this offer i think he came from you know quite a well-off family in relative terms back then you know being well educated and what have you talking about 1820s uh 1830s sorry 
And he got offered this opportunity to go on this boat called HMS Beagle. And he was assigned as the ship's naturalist. So he was the person who'd be yeah. responsible for places where they went around the world. He would collect and study the plants or animals or geolog- geological specimens that he could find along the way. Yeah, because they're exploring, aren't they? At this sort of, t- you know, in the 18, early 1800s, they're off exploring on these boats. They go around the world to see yep. things that, they, that people haven't seen before. So they wanted someone to sort of take down, record all of the different animals. You know, we're going to this cool place, South America. No one's ever been. Take some pictures or draw some. Or would you take pictures? Take He'd have drawn pictures. them, wouldn't he? <laughs> he wouldn't have taken pictures. At well, he got his iPhone like, out. He got his iPhone out. <laughs> went Instagram live. Draw some pictures, take some samples, <laughs> that sort of thing. And um, he ended up on the Galapagos Islands, like you said. And I think this bit must be a bit famous. I didn't know this. And um, he spotted that, you know, there's a few different, um, there's all these different islands in the Galapagos. And he noticed that different animals on the island, although they sort of look the same, were ever so slightly different based on the environment in which they were living. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this voyage of theirs, it took five years, didn't it? They left in 1831 and then ended up in the Galapagos Islands. And just to let everybody know, so the Galapagos Islands, they're a small group of 16 islands, which are a thousand kilometers off the west of Ecuador. So if you're looking at South America, it's it's the left, the left of South America, and then go into the the sea a bit over there, a thousand kilometers. And all these small islands turned out that they had different living conditions so some of them were higher in altitude than others some of them were hotter or some were you know more barren in terms of not having as much grass um just having different vegetation on them and the animals looked different didn't they yeah he noticed that some of the finches had tougher beaks longer beaks because they were eating seeds and then he noticed that some of them were eating insects you know it's the same bird essentially but it had a thinner sharper beak because he's eating insects and then similarly, he noticed turtles, some had longer necks because they tended to be in an island where the, the vegetation was a bit more sparse and they had to reach to get their vegetation. It was giant Whereas tortoises, turtles, wasn't it? Giant tortoises. Yeah. Not turtles. Oh, I've written turtle. Oh, oh. my boy always tells me off about turtles versus tortoise. One swims, <laughs> one doesn't. I can't remember which way around it is. <laughs> So yeah, it was Something the tortoises. Like it was the tortoises that he and um, he was on another yeah, on one of the other islands. The, the tortoises had shorter necks, but those islands tend to have loads of vegetation, so it didn't matter that they didn't have long necks because they could get to the vegetation differently. And it was just this sort of realization that although animals are the same, they're also different. And is it because of where they live? And that's sort of that was key, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Just thinking that you. Yeah. You get grass in England and you end up having rabbits living you get grass in Australia and you end up having kangaroos living but yeah it's sort of similar why why don't you just have the same looking animals so at this point as he's leaving the Galapagos he's also well he's well read isn't he he's 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 into reading people's research and stuff he'd read a, a guy called Charles Lyell who'd published something called the principles of geology and he had mentioned about erosion and how rocks and caves or whatever they look like they do because of over masses and masses of time they have eroded and he he sort of took that idea into animals he he sort of thought that might be a like this this really long length of time before change happens so long that you can't even see it happening um he started to sort of 
I know what's the word postulate on that I think yeah yeah and another one so he he then read another essay by a chap called Thomas Malthus and it was a Thomas Malthus essay was on human population and he was stating that if populations grow faster than the rate at which the food is supplied then there are scarce resources and it then means that you need to act in different ways and then he then like you were saying he then starts trying to apply this to the animal world didn't he yeah but it took him 20 years i think a misconception i didn't even know it anyway but i think some people seem to think he came off the galapagos island and he'd solved evolution a bit like you know that apple landing on this is the point right who's the scientist that did gravity isaac newton okay whatever the apple landed on his head uh, a bit like that like a eureka moment that didn't happen he had like 20 years of sort of bumbling this through his head and thinking about it and he started to realize that animals suited to their environment lived longer and had more children and you know and um, reproduced more and it sort of was going round and round and round uh, but then he got a letter didn't he about 20 years later from a different scientist right yeah as you say so he's he's not actually published this he's taken all these notes and he's just been thinking about it for 20 years without doing too much about it. There was another guy who was aware of Darwin called Alfred Russell Wallace. He was also a naturalist and he independently came up with this theory of evolution by natural selection. And he got in contact with Darwin about this. And (laughs) that's what then prompted him to then come out with his book a year later, wasn't it? Yeah, Darwin's like, oh, this guy's going to publish something. I better publish mine out. Because I guess that's how it works in science, right? First one first one out yeah. wins. Um, so so they, 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 and, uh, wrote, they wrote a journal, didn't they? And they presented it. So in 1858, the two of them jointly presented a journal, sort of theorising what they, what they were coming up with and what they were talking about. But then it was a year later in 1859, where Darwin had had this 20-year head start on Alfred Russell Wallace to then publish his book called On the Origin of Species. Yeah, when he essentially talked about his theory of evolution and, and what natural natural selection is. So I think we'd better try and explain it then, <clears throat> hadn't we? Well, uh, I think it's quite easy to explain, actually, to be honest. You just saying about him talking about the theory, theory of evolution. Weirdly, his book doesn't actually say the word evolution, does it? No. And there's a lot of people, well, obviously nobody really knows why, but the word evolution, right? The Latin, was it called? The etymology of the word evolution. I tend to look at that every time we do a podcast, I look at where this word comes from. Uh, it's come from the word evolutio, which means the unrolling, opening out or revealing of something. It tends to be like a scroll. And it's thought that Darwin didn't like that term because it implied that the history of life was just like some simple chronological unrolling of something that was already planned. Okay. And, you know, he, he thought it was much more like pe- that animals are adapting to where they live and it's, it's unplanned. So, yeah, I mean, nobody knows really why, but they think that might be the reason he never actually used the word evolution. And one of the things that he says in the book, apparently, we've not read it, but apparently what it says in the book quite a bit is natural selection and then descent with modification. So coming back to what we were saying about evolution is that small changes over a long period of time. Yeah, he was then referring to something called descent with modification. 
Okay, so let's have a go at trying to explain what his theory is then in um, a couple sentences, shall we? He noticed that everything in the world is in competition, okay? So every set of species is competing with itself for food, okay? Generally speaking, and this comes back to the piece he'd read before about overpopulation. And, you know, it was Malthus's theory that everything overpopulates and that everyone's in competition. And those that, the, those that survive are the ones that had characteristics which make them better adapted for survival in their environment. Yes. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, for example, stronger, faster animals. So if, if you imagine you've got a herd of antelope, the slower ones that are lagging behind at the back, they're more likely to then get eaten by a lion. Whereas the faster, yep. stronger ones that can run and get away, they've yep. adapted to the, the environment of the predator. And so they're more likely to reproduce and then they'll have their babies and those that will get passed on. That the stronger yeah, that, get passed on. That next generation will be a little bit quicker. But then there are, you know, these characteristics are just like, genetic mutations they're just random random you know if you have four million antelope there'll be a, a few a few in there who are quicker and yes. who are the ones that are going to live longer produce more they will be the quicker ones so the next generation of antelope are now quicker but then that just keeps happening over millions of years and all these tiny little changes you know the next thing is oh this one's got slightly longer legs so we can actually run up the hills and the other ones can't so now antelope are fast, but they've also got long legs. Yes. Yep. That sort of and thing. so w- one of the things that they they term that as is transmission of favorable traits that the offspring okay. will then yeah, be, be fitter and inherit those favorable variations. Um, another thing that they, yep. they talk about is survival of the fittest. And this is a term that it's more just saying that they're better fitted to survive long enough to reproduce but that is more to do with their environment rather than something then trying to eat them it's just survival of the fittest in terms of they can live in harsher conditions they can live in barren deserts or icy conditions or whatever it might be so a bunch of cows might have accidentally walked into a slightly snowier area now of all these cows the ones that survive and have babies are the ones with slightly furrier you know they're just a bit furrier so the next generation of those cows, because it's all the furry ones that have reproduced, are now furrier. Only ever so slight. This is, this is the right you're saying. It's mind-boggling, right? Yes. They're tiny, that change. But then it's always the slightly furrier ones keep reproducing. Then what you end up with, bison or buffalo or whatever it is. Yep. Like, you know, that must have happened somehow. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And also sort of along those lines is a, another one where they were talking about the geology and it might well be that those herd of cows that you were talking about, they they wandered into an area and then they then got cut off from where they were previously. Like if there was a you know a huge snowfall, they weren't able yeah. to get back to where they were. So they were then forced to survive. And it was the slightly hairier ones <laughs> that were able to stay warmer yeah. that then carried on reproducing over that long period of time. And then they, they then became the ones that, um, that exist. Yeah, geographic isolation, that's called. Um, ah, that's just sort the one. of forces evolution to happen. Yes. Um, I, I just wrote down a few other, other examples. Uh, quite a famous image is of 
black and white mice or dark and white mice in a field. If you've got a field full of boatloads of mice and a bunch of eagles circling above trying to get them, the darker ones tend to survive. You know, you know, just like what is it? What is it when we're born and we've got no hair? Like it's just a genetic. It just what? What's that called? I don't know the um, word for that. Yes. What's it called when people don't have hair? Oh, alopecia. Yeah, yeah. That's a, a mutation, right? Yeah. So these mice, they're all white, but there's just a mutation happens and there are some brown ones. Now the eagles are circling up above. Which ones are they not going to eat? They will not eat the brown ones, will they? Because they are camouflaged. And then which ones are the ones that we produce? Yes, there'll be some white ones that we produce, but lots and lots of the darker ones will reproduce until what you're left with is darker mice. Yep. Instead of the lighter mice. So they're, they're, but that's over boatloads of time. Yeah. 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 And it, it, it so just to like summarize this, this part then about what natural selection is, it's those individuals with characteristics that are best suited to their environment are more likely to survive. They're more likely to find food better. They can avoid predators and they can resist disease. And then just by them being around longer, they're then more likely to reproduce and pass those genes on to their offspring. Yep, exactly. Exactly that. I th- yeah, that's it. Um, evolution sorted. Um, <laughs> I, did, I did then, I, I said to you, I think, has it been proven? So he's come up with this theory. It seems to hold true. Um, it makes sense. Like, you know, you've got these traits that make you survive. So your offspring have the same traits and so on and so on. Have we been able to prove it? That was the next thing I looked at. But yeah, and it, and it wasn't Darwin himself that proved it. So he is hailed as the, the, the Mac Daddy of evolution, the person that came up with this. And he was the first person to correctly state what evolution is, but it couldn't be scientifically proved for about 100 years or so later. So this is where technology wasn't in a place to be able to prove what he'd said. And it wasn't until when you get into genetics and being able to look at molecular biology and all these other new, well, talking about the 1960s, talking about these these new ways of looking at DNA and looking at genes to then actually say, yeah, that Darwin chap, he was right with what he said. Yeah, DNA is a huge one, isn't it? One of the other ones is fossils. I think we all probably know that that, that is shown and just being able to you know, as time goes on, finding more and more fossils that link things together and just show that this becomes this. One of um, the creationists, the people that sort of don't agree with evolution, um, one of their arguments is that there are too many missing links between, you know, we're saying a, yeah. a, a fish ended up as a horse. Where's all your fossils in between to tell me that happened? Yeah, and but it's just over on. time we're starting. How, <laughs> how did that, that Come on. <laughs> We do. We do have a good interview on this, by the way. That's confirmed, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, so hopefully we might ask it. How did a fish turn into a horse? Um, <laughs> they're just filling it in. They're getting more and more fossils to show this is true. This is like you you cannot deny this. Just look at this became this became this became this. Um, That's right. So so more. Yeah, more. more well, brief, as I just mentioned it there about molecular biology, DNA and genetic code. You can then compare the code of animals and trace it then right back so you can see how dogs share similar dna with whales and you can then trace that all the way back but it turns out that cats and hyenas 
on a slightly different lineage of this yeah, okay. tree of life. So you can sort of like start yeah. matching up DNA. So that's the molecular molecular biology part. Yeah, there's a few, wasn't there? There's another one, comparative anatomy. Uh, that is just, you know, looking at bones and the structure of the actual animal and just seeing that actually they're pretty similar. There's something called homologous, homologous. Did you read that? Homologous, yeah. which are similar anatomical parts that do different things. So, for example, we've got arms and birds have got wings. But as far as anatomy goes, they're sort of similar in the sense it's, that... Yeah, there's there's some quite interesting pictures on this we'll post this up on our instagram where you can see how our arm and wrist and hand bone and then phalanges our fingers how that is really similar to what a whale has in terms of its flipper and what a bat has in terms of its arm wrist hand bones phalanges you know it's it's all really similar and you can see how they're how they are the bone structure is quite similar across a whole load of things that you wouldn't expect it to be. With frogs and lemurs, I actually wrote that. I didn't write down where it was, but frogs and lemurs are the same as like human hands. Oh, nice. Um, okay. Yeah. But there's, there's other things, you know, nowadays we can look at embryos, you know, where, uh, at the very early stage of being born, you know, things look the same as each other. You know, maybe not a fish and a horse at this point, but, you know, uh, you know, you can take two animals, you can look at them when they're really, really tiny and they actually yep. look the same. Yep. You, know, you can see how they were the same thing to begin with. Um, Did you see, I don't know if you came across it, a picture of a human embryo and a dolphin. What, do they look the same? It look exactly the same. It's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Um, and then there's, there's another one about this proof that they've been able to see it is something called direct observation. And that's where you directly observe small scale evolution in organisms that only have very short life cycles, such as okay. flies. Um, yeah, like they do it with like bacteria and things, don't they? Yeah. So they can just, they can smash out thousands of generations of them really quickly and you can see it happening. Because again, that's one of, that's the other argument that creationists make is like, first of all, you've got too many missing links. Second of all, no one's ever seen it happen, so it can't have ever happened. But actually, scientists nowadays can just take really fast developing bacteria, I guess, and tiny animals and things, just smash them out and just show it happening. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty interesting, really. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, it turns out that there is loads of proof. Darwin was on the right lines when he came up with it, and technology has been able to prove him right. He wasn't always on the right lines, though, was he? What did you read about? (laughs) Just, Just slightly off topic. But obviously, you know, well done, Darwin. That's right. But he did also make some other claims in some of his later work, didn't he? He said something about like men are cleverer than women and always will be, or men's brains will make men be cleverer than women. Like, yeah. And he also said, depending on different races, you had different abilities of smelling, that you had a better, a better ability to smell things depending on your race, which is complete nonsense. <laughs> yeah but uh um what's that i stopped clocks twice right twice a day isn't it so maybe he's just came up with a boatload of things and this happens to have been right and it also happens to be like earth shattering <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah quite possibly there's some interesting things with humans isn't there talking about you know when you've now got this this dna and being able to trace back lineages and knowing where we've come from so we, we know that humans evolved from ape-like ancestors and we didn't actually evolve from monkeys. 
which is a, okay. a common misconception um, along the way. And also one of the things is that us humans, we share about 31% of our genes are the same as yeast, which is a single cell that replicates every 90 minutes. And 50% of our genes were banana? <laughs> yeah, we're 50% <laughs> the same as a banana. <laughs> Did you read the one about, this is going to be my takeaway. Did you read the one about blue and uh, brown and blue eyes? There's apparently, I don't know if there, there must be evidence to say this, most people in the world had brown eyes until about 10,000 years ago when there was some, there was a genetic mutation that some suddenly somebody had blue eyes. Yeah. And now, how do they know that 10,000 years ago there was no blue eyes? I don't, uh, it must be that genealogy, isn't it? They can trace it back. And they now reckon that 8% of the world's population have blue eyes, but that everyone with blue eyes must have that same ancestor going back 10,000 years. That's pretty mad, isn't it? But they're saying, so we're we're still evolving today at a slow rate. How long is it that we've been about? Is it like 200,000? It was 200,000 years, but very, like three years ago, they found a skull or a skeleton. No, yeah, a skull, I think it was, in um, Mexico. Oh, yes. And then dated it, dated it to 100,000 years earlier than what we previously thought. Ah, yeah. You're saying about those missing pieces and linking things in. But yeah, so we're we're still evolving today. And one of the examples that they give about this is that people living in Tibet, they've got a higher resistance to altitude sickness. And, you know, that's why, well, we did our Mount Everest episode, didn't we? And you have Sherpas that you take up the mountain. They're able to go way higher without the oxygen support that most of the tourists need. But yeah, they, they've developed, they've, they've adapted to their conditions and they're able to deal with altitude without getting altitude sickness. Yeah. So we're still going then. I was reading one, I was reading one about speculating in the future. If we then carry on evolving, if we go off and colonize another planet and we're out in space and it's got less gravity than our bodies over time, you know, if we start living on the moon, yeah. our bodies will then start to adapt and the people will survive who can cater and work with less gravity and you know it just might be over centuries that are we would then change and animals and plants that go with us would behave differently as well well i'm not going to mars too far away <laughs> we learned that when we were talking about the moon and things it's too blimmin far in it <laughs> right yeah Holly, you got a takeaway for us yes yeah i have got a takeaway so Everybody listening right now, and Liam, can you wiggle your ears? Nope. <laughs> nope. That silence was me trying to wiggle my ears. <laughs> so you've probably noticed that you can't wiggle your ears, and it's because 85% of people can't wiggle their ears. And scientists have then traced this back, and they're saying that it's because ancestors of ours, they used to be able to pinpoint sounds of where danger was coming from and so they had the ability to move their ears around but when we then all started living in groups it eliminated the need to have that heightened hearing that genetic trait was then eliminated from certain lineages so it's only if you can do it if you've managed to wiggle your ears you're part of the 15 percent that find it possible wow to hear sound from different places okay so mine is to do with thomas malthus who we we said earlier talked about overpopulation all, all species will um they have a tendency to overpopulate because that gives them a high probability of moving forward yep. in the future frogs are a good example of this they okay. give or they have give birth to 
thousands and thousands of frogs born a year, don't they? You see them in the ponds and stuff. And yes, they have a very tiny amount of them survive because the survival rate is so low. They've got to live, give boatloads. But if all of those frogs survived, so if every frog that is ever laid actually turned into a frog, <laughs> apparently we'd be knee deep in frogs within 10 years. <laughs> that can't be true. <laughs> I don't know if that one's true, but I thought that was quite a good one. What a funny yeah, if all frogs survived, the whole world would be about, what, I don't know, 18 inches deep in frogs. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, yeah, how have you found this week then, then Liam? So if, if somebody were to say to you, um, oh, yeah, I've heard about that, Darwin. Oh, yeah, evolution. Do you think you could have a bit yeah, of a conversation with them? Yeah, because I now know it's Charles Darwin and he invented evolution and I know what it is and I know how it happens. Just that um, those mutations that give you a an advantage in your environment just gets passed on. Yeah, I think I could talk about it. I understand it. Um, so I'm good. What about yourself? Yeah, it's still mind bending to think that a fish can become a horse. And <laughs> that is something that I... I just need to yeah, get my head around like over millions of years, those, those adaptations, those modifications that we were talking about, but it makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. Darwin then seeing the Galapagos islands and then trying to piece together some of his well-readness um, about how it could apply to the animal world. Yeah. Super interesting. Okay. Well, we do have an expert interview uh, this Friday that will come out about this episode. So hopefully we'll answer some of those questions. Maybe it'll tell us how our frog turned, um, our fish turned into a horse. Thanks everybody for listening to this episode. Hopefully you've all enjoyed it as much as we did. Hopefully you've learned some stuff. Um, if you want to send us some um, comments or some thoughts on the socials at two guys, one topic on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, let us know what you thought and that'd be great. And we will see you all next week. Get out there and share some knowledge.